It is Monday, August 15th, and this is People Every Day. Hello there, everyone. Nigel Smith here. Janine is taking some much-deserved R&R this week, and I am so psyched to be back filling in for her while she's out. We've got a great show for you today, including some updates surrounding Anne Heche's deadly car crash. But first, let's dive into what's been swirling out there today. We begin today with some Amber Heard news. Earlier today, we learned that Heard is making changes to her legal team. As she prepares to appeal the verdict in the Johnny Depp defamation trial, Heard will have new legal representation. A spokesperson for the actress announced that she hired David L. Axelrod and J. Ward Brown of Ballard Spar to lead, with Ben Roderberg continuing as co-counsel. Elaine Charleston Bredehoff, who represented her in the six-week Fairfax County, Virginia trial earlier this year, is stepping down. Now, Hurt's spokesperson released a statement saying, when it comes to protecting the fundamental right of freedom of speech, we look at the jury's decision to paraphrase a famous quote, not as the beginning of the end, but merely the end of the beginning. A different court warrants different representation, particularly as so much new evidence is coming now to light. Obviously, it remains to be seen how this shakeup will impact Hurd's chances of winning her appeal, but it should be noted that Axelrod and Brown successfully defended the New York Times against Sarah Palin's defamation lawsuit earlier this year. As always with the story, I'm sure we'll have another update in the very near future. The FBI has made a determination in its investigation of a fatal shooting that occurred on the set of the movie Rust. According to an FBI forensic report obtained by ABC News, the revolver at the center of this case, when intact and functional per the report, could not be made to fire without a pull of the trigger unless the hammer was decocked on a loaded chamber and the hammer was struck directly. Actor Alec Baldwin was holding the prop gun while filming Rust when it fired, killing cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Back in December, Baldwin told ABC News, It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. An attorney for the actor said in a statement to ABC News that the FBI report is being misconstrued and reiterated that New Mexico authorities found that Alec Baldwin had no authority or knowledge of the allegedly unsafe conditions on the set and that he was told by the person in charge of safety on the set that the gun was cold and believe the gun was safe. A rep for Baldwin did not immediately respond to people's requests for comment. Still just a horrific tragedy, and we're nearly 10 months into this. We'll definitely keep you updated on the story as the investigation is sure to continue. Tom Holland has returned to Instagram after taking a brief social media hiatus. He posted a video explaining to fans and followers why prioritizing his mental health led him to taking a break from sites like Twitter and Instagram. Because I find Instagram and Twitter to be overstimulating, to be uh, overwhelming. I get caught up and I spiral when I read things about me online. And ultimately it's very detrimental to, to my mental state. So I decided to take a step back and delete the app. The Spider-Man No Way Home star went on to promote an organization called STEM4, which is a charity that promotes positive mental health in teenagers and those who support them. 
Holland said that there's still a stigma surrounding mental health, but acknowledged that it's nothing to be ashamed of. He went on to praise STEM4 and the work that they do. Whether you're a Tom Holland fan or not, and how can you not be, you have to love seeing celebrities use their platform to be open and honest and further great causes like this. Thank you, Spider-Man. And now we turn our attention to the death of Six Days, Seven Nights star Anne Heche. Over the weekend, friends and family offered up words of love and praise for the actress and Emmy winner, and new information surrounding the events just before and after the crash continue to emerge. been a few days since the tragic passing of Anne Heche. The actress, known for her roles in movies like Donnie Brasco and Wag the Dog, was peacefully taken off of life support, the star's rep told People last night. And we are still getting more information about her fatal car crash and the events that followed. Joining me now to discuss what we know is People News Director Marissa Charles. Hey, Marissa. Hey, Nigel. So before we dive into everything, we have to note that you're actually there at the scene of the car crash in Mar Vista, Los Angeles, the day after it happened. Can you take us into the aftermath of that shocking situation and and what it was like to be there? It actually is sort of down the road from me. Walgrove is a street that runs along and it's a dividing line between the two neighborhoods, Venice on one side and Mar Vista on the other. She crossed over, if you like, the Venice border. I went down to the house and you could still smell the smoking, the smoldering, and you could see sort of rubble on the ground, on the curb where she sort of catapulted in the air. There's at least one school on that road. There are two churches on that road. There's another school off of it. And it's a very, very residential area. You tend to have young families, dog walkers, etc. Let's not forget in this Jennifer Durand, who owns the house with her husband. She told me last week it's their first home. Um, they've had it for over 20 years. So it was a shock to her as well. She describes Lynn Michelle crying on the phone and telling her what happened. And she said nothing could prepare her for what she was about to see. So a lot of people experiencing a lot of emotion and shock at this time. As I mentioned earlier, Heche was taken off life support yesterday. Now, even though she was declared legally dead a few days ago, people were looking for an Oregon recipient before taking her off life support. Is that right, Marissa? Yes. Two days after people confirmed that she died from injuries sustained in a recent car crash, a rep confirmed to us that an organ recipient match was made and she would be removed from life support on Sunday. Right now, we don't know who the recipient is or which organs were um, donated, but she was declared legally dead according to California law last week because she was brain dead. She was kept on life support because, as her rep said, it had long been her choice to donate her organs. So tributes are still pouring in for Heche. Uh, We saw a lot coming in from people in Hollywood over the weekend, namely including her ex-husband, Coleman Coley LaFoon, who took to Instagram to share his overwhelming grief. Here's a little bit of what he said. One, I loved her and I miss her and I'm always going to. Two, Homer is okay. He's grieving, of course, and it's, it's rough. It's really rough as probably anybody can imagine. Their son together also shared a written statement with people on Friday. And he wrote, my brother Atlas and I lost our mum. 
After six days of almost unbelievable emotional swings, I am left with a deep, wordless sadness. Hopefully my mum is free from pain and beginning to explore what I like to imagine as her eternal freedom. He added, rest in peace, mum. I love you. And he also mentioned his younger brother, Atlas, who was 13, um, who Anne shares with her ex, James Tupper. What beautiful statements. Now, someone else we heard from over the weekend is Lynn Michelle, and she is the woman whose rental home was destroyed in the car crash, and we obviously cannot forget about her. Now, she took to Instagram to share her thoughts on everything that happened. Her family and her friends and her children especially uh, really have suffered a great loss and my heart goes out for them. She went on to her Instagram account. Um, She said on Friday when the news broke, she said she was sending love to everybody involved. She said in the video, the news of Anne Heche's passing is devastating. Her family and her friends and her children especially really have suffered a great loss and my heart goes out for them. This entire situation is tragic and there really are just no words. I'm sending love to everybody involved. My heart goes out to Haitia's family and friends, and of course, Lynn, Michelle, who was also affected by this. I'm hoping that they all find peace, love, and comfort. Marissa, thank you so much for coming on to break this really difficult story down for us. You're welcome, thank you. On Friday, renowned author Salman Rushdie was stabbed during a literary festival at New York's Chautauqua Institution. Coming up, we'll discuss what all happened and what long-term injuries Rushdie may suffer as a result of the very bizarre stabbing. But first, remember the film Coda, the darling of this year's Academy Awards? Well, the Apple film took home the Oscar for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and of course, actor Troy Kotzer took home the award for Best Supporting Actor. Now, over the weekend, Kotzer's Oscar was stolen along with his car. We'll bring you up to speed on the theft and how authorities helped the actor locate his stolen statue. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. We're back and it's time to get into the stolen Oscar story. So last Thursday, CODA star Troy Kotzer was honored in his hometown of Mesa, Arizona as the first deaf man to win an Academy Award and Kotzer had the Oscar on hand for the celebration, naturally. Then a few days after, Kotzer still had the statue in the back of his Jeep when it was stolen. He's not the first entertainer to have an award like this stolen. As some of you probably remember, Frances McDormand won the Academy Award for Best Actress for her role in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Later that night at an Oscars after party, her Oscar, which was her third at the time, she's since won a fourth, was stolen. Fortunately for her, it was quickly recovered. 
And just like McDormand, the case of Kutzer's missing statue has a happy ending. Apparently, two young boys stole the Jeep, which was later found by the Mesa's police department. The department released a statement saying, once Mr. Kotzer notified the department of the theft, officers began their investigation and through investigative techniques, they located the vehicle with two juvenile male suspects inside. The suspects were not publicly identified due to their ages, but most importantly, the Jeep was returned to Kotzer with his Oscar safely inside. So glad this story has a happy ending. And as a friendly reminder, maybe just don't leave a priceless possession like that inside your car. Just a thought. Author Salman Rushdie was thrust into the news on Friday after an attacker rushed the stage at a literary festival in New York. A prize-winning and respected writer, Rushdie received death threats for years and was in hiding for over a decade after the publishing of his book, The Satanic Verses, in 1989. The publication was deemed a blasphemy by Iranian leaders at the time, and the novel, which featured a fictional interpretation of the Prophet Muhammad and the Quran, drew backlash from the Muslim community. The result was a spiral of death threats after a call from the Iranian government offered a reward for his killing at the time. The stabbing of Rushdie live on stage resulted in serious life-threatening injuries and had so many people talking about what truly led to this moment. To help me cover all of the news on this wild story is People's Deputy Editor Wendy Noggle. Hi there, how are you? Let's first sum up for everyone the background here. Yeah, so Salman Rushdie is just such an acclaimed author, has won many, many literary prizes. He's Indian-born, British-American novelist, and a lot of his work has included magical realism mixed with historical fiction. And that's exactly what he did in Satanic Verses, which did have those representations that you mentioned that really brought a high amount of scrutiny with the 1989 fatwa by the late Ayatollah Khomeini. So that just led to Rushdie living in hiding for decades. But more recently, he finally said, look, I have to live my life and I'm going out there in the world and started to be more public in in his everyday life. And so that led to some engagements like this one in Western New York last week. About the attack on Friday at what was supposed to be a literary event, can you take us into exactly what transpired? Yes, so the event was supposed to begin right at 10.45 in the morning, and we talked to someone who was in attendance, and really, this happened all the time. You know, they always had these wonderful speakers who came into this community and and have these really thoughtful, reflective conversations. And right at 10.45, The attacker rushed the stage, injured another speaker who was on the stage, and began stabbing Salman Rushdie. Some onlookers and officials detained the attacker and held him down. They realized the extent of Mr. Rushdie's injuries. He was airlifted to a hospital in Pennsylvania. What was revealed later from several reports is that he had three stab wounds to the neck, four to his stomach, puncture wounds in his chest and his right eye. His literary manager said that he will probably lose his right eye. Of course, we hope that he pulls through from that. So the injuries were quite sustained and serious. And what can you tell me about the attacker? 
So the attacker is a man in his 20s from New Jersey, and so far he has pled not guilty to all of the charges. The Iranian government has denied any coordination with him. However, they did say that any fault of the attack really does fall on Mr. Rushdie and his followers. So even though the fatwa had had theoretically expired with the late Ayatollah Khomeini's death, you know, it, it, it still seemed to carry quite a lot of, of weight. And so it remains to be seen if if we'll hear from the attacker or any motive that has not been reported yet. Now, what's the reaction been to all of this? I can't imagine the horror of actually being in the room at the time, but obviously there were a lot of people that had to, to watch this go down. You know, obviously the audience was quite shocked. Our eyewitness told us that they really gathered almost immediately outside and began praying and and having a bit of a vigil. But that was very quickly broken up because they had to sweep the area for any bomb threats or, or other threats of violence. Our eyewitness told us that the security there was actually very light, which I thought was a little bit surprising given the history of threats against Mr. Rushdie's life. But we were told that it was almost like a concert ticket. Like you could show that kind of pass that was scanned to get on the property. But there are several ways to get on the property, including several docks along the water. The attacker allegedly had, you know, paid for his ticket in cash and um, the event was well publicized. It was on the Institute's calendar and they have hosted the likes of past presidents like Bill Clinton. So they probably do have the means and the experience to have great security, but it definitely is kind of a question that's still unanswered. And lastly, his ex-wife, Top Chef's Padma Lakshmi, what does she have to say about what happened? So they divorced in 2007, but she was really expressing publicly her concern for him. She tweeted, worried and wordless can finally exhale, now hoping for swift healing. So she's definitely pulling for his quick recovery. His son um, released a statement that his father was still in critical condition, but had been taken off a ventilator. And what was very heartening in his son's remarks was when he said, quote, his usual feisty and defiant sense of humor remained. Well, thank you so much, Wendy, for being with me here today and, and breaking down this tough story. Thank you. The last story I have to share with you really warmed my heart. As you all probably know by now, a week ago today, the world lost Olivia Newton-John. Since the iconic entertainer's death, tributes have been pouring in from all around the world. And this past weekend, the Chicks paid tribute to the late singer, songwriter, actress on stage during one of their incredible concerts. Lead singer Natalie Maines told the crowd that when she was growing up, she always wanted to be Olivia Newton-John. So when we worked up today at Soundcheck, a little Olivia Newton-John song. The Chicks went on to sing an incredible cover of Newton-John's beautiful solo from Greece, Hopelessly Devoted to You, which was caught on camera by an audience member. And I hope it's a little something to make you smile. The video itself is pretty amazing because not only did the crowd absolutely love their incredible cover, but it marks the first time in music and smartphone history that someone actually wanted to watch a cell phone video of a concert, right? Well, that's our show for today. Thank you all for listening, and I'll be back behind the mic again with you tomorrow on People Every Day.